Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Wow, it's great to be together. How was last Sunday for our Transformations graduation? My, that was just such an amazing, amazing day. Then many of us went down to Transformation, had lunch there, and then the graduates gave certificates to their families, thanking them for walking the journey. There wasn't a dry eye on the place. And then David gets on his knee and proposes to his uh, uh, Kylie, his partner, and, and they're going to get married. So that all happened. It was all in the paper this week, all the stories. I thought, how awesome is that? Transform lives. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, God is so good. My brother here from Cairns, I don't even know your name. Jason, as we were worshiping, God spoke to me and said, it's a new season for your life. You've let go of some things and God's going to open the door for you to embrace some new things. And I see new strength flowing for your life, physical strength and spiritual strength. I see it just surging through you and God says, don't just settle at the level you were, it's time to step up. And I see God just pulling you up to the next level, whatever that is for your life. So go for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. He's good all the time. Let's reach our hands to heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word. It's alive. It's powerful. Lord, it's our foundation. I pray, Lord, that you would just bring revelation to all of our souls today. Lord, I pray for family members who mightn't be here that are sick. Lord, right now, let your miracle power touch them, I pray. Lord, let people get up out of their hospital beds. Lord, let them be healed from those infections. In the name of Jesus, you're our mighty God, and we pray for your kingdom influence right across our community, in our extended families. Lord, we just pray for the kids' church to have an awesome day today, for your blessing overflowing us in Jesus' awesome name. Everyone said? Amen. Let's take our seats. God is so, so good. Who reads the word for today? A few of you do? This week, a couple of them just grabbed my heart about look at the birds, the Canadian geese. And I just got so stirred, I thought I was going to preach on something else. But by yesterday, I could not get it out of my head and my heart. So here we go. I'm going to grab a few things out of there. And I've done some more research myself. And I just believe that God wants to speak to us about look at the birds. Do you know what you desire and look at, that's what you get focused on. And uh, this uh, verse on look at the birds, it's about the Canadian geese and how they fly and we're going to have a look at that in a minute and the lessons we can learn from it. But it's amazing that when you start to think about something, everywhere you look, you start to see it. And so the last three mornings, I've been woken up between four and five o'clock in the morning by the birds singing around our house. Now they probably do it every morning, but for the last three mornings, because I've been thinking about this, my ears are tuned to hear them singing. This morning, they were just going for it at five minutes past four, way before dawn. I'm saying, guys, just sleep in for another hour. I know you're excited about the new day coming. And they were singing. There was one in this tree. They were singing songs to one another. And I just, I just lay there fascinated. I thought, I wonder what they're singing. Because the Bible says they sing praise to God. And I just thought, how awesome is that? And it's like when you buy a new red car, all of a sudden you see all the other red cars in town, yet you've driven past them all the time before. Or you're renovating your house, you want to build a new fence or a new front door, and you pick one, and all of a sudden you see all the other people that have got it, but you never ever saw it before or noticed it. Because what you give your attention to, that's what you get focused on, and that's what you see, and that's what you hear. So today I want to encourage you, make sure you're, you're seeing and you're listening is what God wants, so that you're not distracted. Let's have a look at Matthew 6, 
25. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at all the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food. That your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your they? So which one of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life? That's just a good reminder. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Sometimes we just let worry and fear get a hold of us. And most things you worry about never happen. And most things you're afraid about never, ever happen. And yet they just drain your energy for today because you're worrying about what might happen tomorrow. And I think if we look at God's creation... His nature, we see how God's blessing flows. So there's five uh, lessons today I, I gathered from looking at these amazing um, Canadian geese, but we see it here as well. Ducks, they fly in a V formation. You ever watch that? How do they organize themselves? How do they, yeah, they, they have a sort of meeting before they take off. Well, you're in the front and we're at the back and, and are they, just, they just do it. And that's how God's created them to fly and function. The geese, they fly united, so unity is the first thing. You don't see those geese flying their thousand kilometers on their own. You see them, they're united. They don't fly separately or alone in random style because no goose alone can go the thousands of kilometers they fly during their annual migration. When I started to research this, I was stunned. Do you know when they fly together in their V formation, they can fly up to 1,500 kilometers a day. I just thought, that's impossible. They average 70 kilometers an hour, and with a tailwind, they can get up to 110 kilometers an hour when they fly in their V formation. That is an absolute miracle. They can fly four or 5,000 kilometers in a week when they're moving from the, the uh, cold climate to the warmer climate for winter. And they do it together. If they did it alone, they'd never, ever make it. But there's power in unity. And that's like we are as a church. There's great power and unity. When a bird flaps its wings, the air movement creates an uplift, easing the load of the bird behind it. Together, their flight range increases about 70% when they fly together. And they actually fly, the front one flies there, the next ones on the V are slightly higher and back in the V. And that V can go for hundreds and hundreds of birds, maybe thousands of birds, because they get the updraft from the bird in front. So they're slightly higher and slightly back on an angle. And that's how they can fly thousands of kilometers together, because it, it means 70% less effort when you work together. That's a powerful truth about teams, isn't it? When you work together, when you flow together, there, you can do so much more. Even the youngest, weakest, and oldest geese can make the trip. They accomplish together what they could never achieve separately. So the youngest and the oldest and the weakest, they're in towards the back of the thing. So they're getting all the updraft of all the birds in front of them. So they're just cruising along. And you see that in the cycle racing. You ever watch the, the Tour de France? They're all there and one guy's in front and he pulls the side and the other one's behind. They're using way less energy because they get the draft, the first one's cutting through the wind and the rest of them get the benefit of what's happening. That's a powerful, powerful truth. 
Hebrews 10.23 says, So now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps His promises. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to anticipate that day dawning. So that's the word. Encourage one another. Be together. Let's fly together, not do it solo. The enemy will try and get you distracted, disconnected through offense, disappointment, looking at someone saying, well, they're a hypocritical Christian. I'm not going to hang around them anymore. I always, when someone says that to me, I said, well, sometimes when you go to a doctor, you might hear a doctor's done a bad thing. Next time you're crook, do you stay crook at home or do you find another doctor? <laughs> we just sometimes use excuses to pull back when the enemy tries to rob from us. But there's great power in staying in fellowship with one another and enjoy the uplift it provides. You come together and the worship team here, they're up the front of the V while the worship's happening and they're cutting through the atmosphere. They're helping you rise with their music and songs. And before you know it, you're singing with all your heart. Whereas when you first came in, your throat was croaky, you're feeling a bit tired. I don't know the song, but by the third or fourth song, you're all singing at the top of your voice. Why? Because the others are cutting through. And leadership. Someone gives direction. They preach a word of encouragement. They come and slap you on the back, say, you can do it. You're awesome. And all of a sudden, energy, some lift comes in your wings and you just start to fly. And that's the power of encouragement, of stirring one another along. None of us are called to fly solo, and yet way too many people try to do it in life. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, But God has carefully designed each member and placed in the body to function as He desires. Our diversity is required. Now look around and see how different we are. Not just in looks, but personalities, abilities, gifts. We're all so diverse. For if the body consists of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. Just imagine with all the he- if we're all heads or feet. No, we're various parts of the body. So now we, we see that there are many differing parts and functions, but one body. It would be wrong for the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you. And equally wrong if the head said to the foot, I don't need you. You are the body of Christ, the anointed one, and each of you is your part of it. Even when they're flying with the geese, occasionally a goose strays off on its own, but soon becomes exhausted, loses altitude, and ultimately pulls wearily back into the formation, knowing that that's the only place they're going to get to the destination. And maybe you've been on a journey and sometimes we're tempted to just pull back from being part of the team or getting to church just too busy. Hey, you're the one missing out and we miss out on the overflow, the, the uplift that you bring to the one that might be fl- flying along in your draft. That's the power of praying, of working together. That's why I love church. I can't wait to get here on Sundays because I just love seeing different parts of the body flourish and function. I love to see what God's going to do. And it's just awesome to be connected and find your spot and to see the blessing that flows. So number one, we learn unity. Secondly, you learn about leadership. Every formation has to have a point goose out front who leads and sets the pace for others. It's a tough position because the point goose cuts through the headwinds, meets the changing weather conditions, and is the first to feel the rain in its face, the snow in its eyes, and the ice on its wings. 
He keeps the formation on target no matter what the situation is. It is often hard, exhausting and lonely at times because there's nobody ahead of him to be the wind beneath his wings. That's why some people don't like being leaders or they pull back after a while and think, this is too hard. But if you're in a team and God's called you to be a leader, step up and lead. I want to say to some people here, don't hide, but step up and lead and do what God's called you to do. I was very shy when I was at school and I, I didn't see myself as a natural leader, but God saw that there was a leadership gift within me. And when I got born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, that leadership gift started to rise. Before I knew it, I was an assistant leader in a youth group. Then I was leading a youth group and I'm thinking, how did I get here? I was 18 years old and doing all this stuff and we used to look around. Half the youth group was older than Mary Lynn and I and we were the leaders. And I'm thinking, this doesn't work out. But God says, hey, if I put something in you, step up and lead and I'll give you courage to face your fears and other people will be inspired by your passion. And I believe God's calling us to lead. It goes on and says, um, the formation depends on him or her to persevere, stay on track, and get the flock safely to its destination. Every church has its point goose, and that's the pastor, so I'm the chief goose today. <laughs> we, every, every family has leaders. Every business has leaders. I remember years ago, I had two guys come to me and said, we want to start a church and we're going to be joint leaders. And I looked at them and says, are you sure? Because I knew it wasn't going to work. After about three or four years, they did a really good job, got a group together, but they just were going in circles. And I sat down and says, one of you has to decide to lead. And eventually they did. And the church grew. Because you've got to have leadership and teams and flow together and know where you fit in the story. Each ministry or department has a point goose. The youth ministry, the children's ministry, care ministries, 60 young adults, worship ministry, evangelism, finances, all that we do, life groups. You've got to have leaders to lead the way and then everyone else moves in with them as they're gifted. If you try to be a leader and you're not called to it, that is disaster waiting to happen. But some of us learn the hard way. Leaders lead, they set the pace and give direction to those who follow. There are two common roles in the church, the underemployed and the overfunctioning. You heard of the 80-20 rule? 20% to 80% of the work and the other 80% to 20%. I've seen that work in sporting clubs. I've seen it work in church. I've seen it work in charities. I've seen it work in businesses. There's about 20% just seem to step up and take a, a lot of responsibility. And But what happens is those people can then get worn out or tired or even burnt out. They end up getting overloaded. But do you know what the geese do? Just before the point goose gets worn out or exhausted, a space opens up in the formation. He slips back into it while another bird replaces him, seamlessly becoming the next point goose. That's the power of teams. Because when you've got teams, there's three or four people who know how to do leadership. One might be the primary leader, but the others step up and you have assistant leaders and teams. That's what we want to develop more and more. And that's what you see in the bike racing. You've got one guy who does a couple of kilometers pushing into the wind, then, the, then he'll pull to the side and the next one comes up. And sometimes you'll see one or two cyclists about five minutes ahead. And the commandos say they won't win because when they get to the next tough hill or the crosswinds, the team will just keep changing leaders and they'll quickly catch them. And I've been amazed within sometimes 10 kilometers, they've caught up five or seven minutes time because they learn to rotate the leadership and they get the strength and support that happens. And that's what we can learn 
from, from the geese. The power of teams, standing in for each other, preserves the life of the formation. That's the power of teams. Ephesians 4.16 in the Passion says, For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Don't be content to be a consumer, be a contributor. Like we saw those little kids, they just love giving their dollar, you know. And, and something happens when you contribute. Bayside Church is not about paid staff, it's about volunteers and teams willing to stand in and serve whenever and wherever needed. And I thank God that we've got about 200 people that volunteer in our church. Our goal is to get rid of that 80-20 rule and turn it around. I'll have to have at least 80% actively involved in teams and serving. And in two weeks' time, many of you that are on teams or volunteers would have got an email on Friday inviting you to a great celebration night. We're going to invite all the volunteers and team leaders together on Saturday the 10th of uh, November and we're going to go down to Aquaview and we want to put on a night of celebration honouring everyone that's on teams and serves in our church. And uh, it's going to be fun. There'll be free food. There'll be uh, lots of TV footage of our Bayside News bloopers. We're going to have 10 awards for the the best volunteers and all the fun thing. It's going to be a great night and we really encourage you. Don't put it aside and say, I'm a bit busy. We'd love to have everyone there that serves on our teams and, uh, and be an incentive for other people to join for next year. And we want to sit, do that every year as a real thank you, uh, celebration uh, night, a dinner together because we want to celebrate that. So number one, unity. Number two is leadership. The third thing we learned is care. In the world of geese... The aged, the very young, and the sick are protected in the rear of the formation. Because remember, they're getting all this lift, so they've got to exert 70% less to get there so they can keep up. Even at the pace they're flying, they can keep up with the rest because they've got all the support that's happening. So we have the same in church. We've got some people who are going through tough times of grief or loss or sickness or change or the care of our church is to see everyone get a lift and encouragement along the journey. And as we all work together, we'll see that happen. And it uh, says there, they are not isolated, discounted or considered useless. In fact, they fulfill a vital role. Listen to the role that the ones at the back of the V formation do. They become the honking section and cheer on the leaders. So you're all in the honking section if you're not in the leadership. So when you see the ducks fly over and you hear them honking away, that's what they're doing. They're hot and encouraged to the leaders to keep on going because it's getting a bit tough up the front. So we need a really big honking section in our church. We need it in every group and every ministry. No one's exempt. So we need lots of honking going on in our church and our life. And every time you come up and honk honk, we'll know what you mean. We'll know what you mean. You've heard the sermon on the geese. And it's, it's that spirit of care. Sometimes bad weather threatens the mission. The, the going gets tough and the tough are struggling. From the rear of the formation, a lone honk sound, encouragement to the leader. That's what they're doing. And I researched and they have up to 11 different types of honks to bring encouragement or to warn of danger. 
I don't know, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to them all, but they got 11 different types of honks that are needed when they're going through different types of weather or challenges or it's the end of the day and they're thinking, can we make it to the next lake? Well, I'm not sure. Honk, honk, yeah, we'll make it. <laughs> That's what happens. You, you research it and find out. That's exactly what happens. I was stunned when I read all that. That's how God's made them. So don't let anyone think they don't fit in or belong because you're all going to be in the honking section of encouragement. You can all support a leader, encourage and strengthen one another as we go this journey. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Encourage the hearts of your fellow believers and support one another just have been doing. Dear brothers and sisters, make sure that you show your deep appreciation for those who cherish you and diligently work as ministers among you. For they are your leaders who care for you, teach you and stand before the Lord on your behalf. God knows we need a honking section supporting us with uplifting words and prayer. We need those who say, we're behind you. We've got your back covered. We're here to support you and help add our gifts and support to make sure we get to the destination, whatever that looks like. And I thank God for the hundreds in this church that have said, hey, we're going to be in the encouraging section. Everyone can pray and everyone can encourage. We mightn't be able to all sing. We mightn't all be gifted with art or creativity or preaching or administrating or all that sort of gear, but we can all pray and we can all encourage. That's two ministries. None of us can say, I don't have that. That's gifts that we have. 7 to 10 says, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. And that's so true. Every now and then we've talked to a family and said, I don't know why, there's always strife in our household. Then you listen for five minutes how they talk to one another. I said, strife, and you're just getting it back. And I've looked at other relationships or marriage or families, and there's just a beautiful sense of respect and love and kindness and support. And you watch the way they treat one another, the way they speak, the way they care. And you look at some different ministries or life groups, and they're just flourishing. You think, wow, they've grabbed a hold of the truth that what you sow is what you're going to reap. And that's so powerful. That's what we want to understand how to do that better and better. He goes on and says, Don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds, for the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you planned is coming. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. Many a Christian has crossed their deepest valley on a wing, a prayer, and a honk, from some old, scarred, battle-hardened, struggle-feathered, half-bald encourager who was too stubborn to let her brother or sister quit under the pressure. So let's keep the honks coming from the young and the old. Just keep on letting them come because everyone needs it sometimes. Some people send out the help signals, others don't, but we all need encouragement. I've never heard of anyone dying from too much encouragement. I've heard of some people giving up because they didn't feel encouraged or supported or understood or they felt judged and, and condemned, but I've never heard anyone give up because they felt too much encouragement coming. So let's be excessive in that. Let's be overwhelmed.
in our encouragement, not, not flattery where you're saying stuff that's not right. And encouragement is two things. You encourage a person for who they are and for what they do. Some of us are really good at encouragement when people do something good or so on, but most of us need encouragement to who we are. You're a loving person. You're kind. You're considerate. You're just very supportive. You never give up. You, you, you encourage them for who they are and then you acknowledge what they do and people will arrive. Flattery is false words to try and make impress them that you've noticed them. This is not about impressing, this is about blessing. It's a big difference. Encouragement is to bless, not to impress. And so we see that that happens. Occasionally a strident out of tune goose complains loudly and irritatingly. We've got to keep flapping away, we're halfway through. Let's have a rest for lunch. No, we've got to get to the next, the next lake. Within moments, the honking section kicks in, drowning out the grumbler, restoring unity and order. So if someone starts to honk, this is too hard. The leader's flying too fast. We can't keep up. All of a sudden, all the encouraging honking sections start to drown out the negativity of the complainer. The children of Israel needed a bit better honking section in the wilderness. They put up with 40 years of grumbling and all of that generation died. They didn't learn to watch the geese fly overhead and learn this lesson. Let's not be foolish about this. Let's understand the power of blessing that comes. The church's problem sometimes isn't too many people speaking negatively, it's too few people speaking positively. So let's just drown it out. When someone cries defeat, honk back victory. When someone cries fear, honk back faith. When someone cries lack, honk back generosity. Let's just do the opposite and let's cheer one another along and let's see what God can do through our church and our community and the body of Christ. I just think there's so much more we can achieve as we work together. A few words of encouragement can overpower a storm of complaints. So join the honking section. Be known like Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement. Two more to go. Four is loyalty. With geese, their relationships are lifelong. They have a lifelong mate and, and they take it very seriously. They're fully committed. When the ravages of time or circumstances make it impossible for a bird to continue the trip and it begins to lose altitude or fails to keep abreast of the formation, the gaggle provides it with comfort, nurture and protection. Two strong geese leave the formation, flying with the patient safely between them, find a sheltered location with food and water and make a home for the needy bird. They'll stay with their ward until it either recovers or dies and then they'll join another formation. For them, everything goes on hold to care for another bird. What an example of Christ-like relationship and self-sacrificing love. God has combined the members of the body that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Even if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Isn't that so powerful? In today's culture, we discount and marginalize the needy, including those who, that no longer function as they once did. But God demands that we have equal concern for each other, especially with those suffering. If a gaggle of birds can do it, surely God's family ought to do it too. Look at the birds in the sky. Jesus directs, if they can do it for each other, aren't you worth much more than the birds? One of the greatest commandments, not suggestions, Christ gave us is love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater. When word circulates that we love each other in this way, they'll beat down the doors of our church to get in. They'll want to be part because, hey, they love someone there. 
I heard the story of Dior Moody on all his amazing Sunday skills. And there was all these churches, little boy, he walked past five different churches on Sunday skills, several kilometers to get to this one that was in a beaten down old barn and looked or didn't have anything offering. And one day when they found out how far he was walking, they said, why do you walk past the other five? He says, well, I love a fellow here. I'm not sure about the other places. And he just walked until he found a group of kids that loved him because he came from a busted up family. The power of love transforms lives. Love is the greatest way to encourage someone. Acceptance, belonging. And I believe God's saying, hey, get rid of judgment and negativity. Let's find ways to experience amazing love. 1 Corinthians um, 14 says in, that uh, we have equal concern for each other. Mark 12, 31 says there's the greatest commandment is to love. Last thing is restoration. Lost and stray geese are always welcome into the formation. It's not an exclusive club for the elite. Birds separated from other formations, isolated by weather, accident or infirmity, are given full family status. The formation will alter its plans, reschedule its arrival time and inconvenience itself to accommodate any strangers seeking its acceptance. Hey, come and join us. You looked after a sick bird from the last one. They don't talk, but they obviously have a communication process and they will make room and say, come and join us. You're tired. We'll get you to the destination. Wow, the restoration of God. Many newcomers arrive dirty, bedraggled and ill-fed. They're never turned away. In the same way, God's church isn't just a building or a museum. It's a hospital for those who have been hurt by life, even self-inflicted hurt. Jesus said, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens are accepted. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. There shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus has no higher regards than to recruit, save and adapt, adopt the stranger into his flock. You say, but they're not my kind of people. They don't look, talk or even smell like me. So what? We don't get to choose our biological or spiritual siblings. We sometimes would like to. Mum, why wasn't I born with a family up the road? They got a lot more toys than me. <laughs> they have better food at their parties. I've met a few adults that haven't fully grown out of that mindset. Hey, let's be mature. So don't get... God does. If they nab us like sa- if they rub us like sandpaper, they're helping rub off. To see the material God's built the church with, prepare for a shock. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 says, The unrighteous, fornicators idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revelers and extortioners and such were some of you but you were washed, you were sanctified but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. There's room for everyone to join the family through Jesus. Let's be careful we don't put people aside. I want the church to be known for what we're for not what we're against. The world's sick of judgment and condemnation. They don't want religion and laws. They want relationship with God. And the Spirit of God sorts out the hearts on the process. He's very good at that. He's much better than we are. We we don't have boundaries and guidelines. We need those things for life. But sometimes we try to do the Holy Spirit's work. And it never works real well. God's the one who changes us. When we were taking the formation, we were washed, sanctified and justified and given full family status. So what an amazing story. What have you learned from the birds today? We've learned that there's unity. We've
we've learnt the power of leadership, the honking section of encouragement. They care for one another. They're loyal till the end. And they make room for restoration. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.